Hey everyone, it's episode 190, and today we are considering our values. Now, are we talking personal values? Are we talking church values? But how often do you consider or evaluate exactly what, you can't see my air quotes, what your personal values are? I mean, I don't know that we rarely ever just sit down and go, hmm. The closest we probably come is is thinking about New Year's, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, New Year's resolutions, and that's what got me thinking about it was, if we're thinking about those things that maybe we want to change about ourselves or things we wish we could improve upon, maybe not a complete change, but just like, man, I wish I was better at reading my Bible or <laughs> like we talked about ready, set, go, stop, you know, being calm. And really the way we live our lives tell us, or maybe better off, it tells others what our values are. Sure. But how often do you sit down and make a checklist? Well, I believe in love and I believe in, you know, compassion. It's a, gr- it's a great exercise. It's a values clarification and get, understanding why we do what we do yeah. can be really a very settling and freeing thing. Uh, it can, you know, it can be depressing sometimes <laughs> too, but uh, generally speaking, if we think about the why behind what I do, yeah, uh, it really does sort of begin to open us up to, to being able to maybe live a little freer even. Yeah. Well, and I like that last week we talked about our strategy mm-hmm. and we ended up with, you know, go mingle, connect with people, listen to them. And then we thought that maybe listening, well, while it's probably our biggest challenge and being calm to be able to listen, but probably one of our most important is Christians. And then it made me think of, well, if we stopped and listened even to each other, mm-hmm. even, let's just say just within the church walls here, if we stopped and listened, then the values become very, very important. Like, as if you haven't stopped to think about these and you're just like, ah, I'm just doing what I do. It's, I mean, I'm just me. Well, why do we have to overanalyze things? But the way you presented the values. Now, I was a little confused. Do we have four? Do we have eight? No, we have four. And uh, early in the We me- have supercalifragilisticexpialidocious <laughs> and we have three others. And three others. But early in the message, you read a quote from Eugene Peterson that I wanted to start off because I really felt like it set a Boy. really cool groundwork for it. He said, his quote was, in the life of faith, each person discovers all the elements of a unique and original adventure. We are prevented from following in one another's footsteps and are called to an incomparable association with Christ. The Bible makes it clear that every time there's a story of faith, it is completely original. God's creative genius is endless. He never fatigued and un- or was unable to maintain the rigors of creativity or resorted to mass-producing copies. Right. And you followed that with, it's just as true of us as individuals, the same is true of a church family. When God calls together a group of people as a local church, that combination of people and their practice of life of faith together creates a culture that is unique to that place and group. As each congregation wrestles through identifying their mission, strategy, how they'll measure success, their values, the why behind what they do, and their vision of their future as a church, a unique culture is formed. I think it's, really imp- I think it's important to think about that because um, a unique culture doesn't mean a, a better or worse culture. Yeah, it's it's a unique culture. And so if all the churches had the exact same culture, uh, you take all the Christian churches in the world and they, they yeah. all had the exact same culture, uh, there'd be holes in our ability <laughs> to minister to the larger culture Absolutely. Uh, as well. Well, uh, one of the first pastors that I met when I we moved to Florida was Jeff Gang over at mm. Forest Lake Church. Great guy. And uh, yeah, deeper, he was the creator, the founder, right. the, the curator of that idea and I was his AV guy for a long time before he moved on. And uh, one of the first things he told us when we got together as a leadership group, we met every single week at Panera and Altamont. 
And he always said, no one wants to be told how to worship. Mm. That's a personal thing between you and God. And if your worship is, and he was speaking in a church setting. Right. So if that is, I need liturgy, I need things to happen in an order because it feels safe to me. We don't want to look down on that person and say, "Ah, we don't, we don't like what you do. and, Mm. And somehow that's wrong. He's saying, now we're doing something completely different than the traditional worship service. And we want the freedom to explore those ideas that God has given us for worship and how to reach people. And I always thought that that as a culture was, if we can just be inclusive and say, you are welcome here, this is what we do and this Mm -hmm. is how we are. And we hope that even if it's maybe not your bag of tea, if you came, you'll find a blessing in what we do because it comes from a really heartfelt desire to just raise God up. Right. Yeah. I think that's very true. And, and, even though, I mean, there can be, they can be very closed, stiff, um, judgmental, contemporary <laughs> churches, and there can be very grace-filled, yeah. open, inclusive, high liturgy churches. Sure. So, so yeah, it's, it's style. Style is just a, a function of comfort and design and what you like and yeah. all those kinds of things. Method. It's a methodology. Oh, yeah. And so I, I think that much more important is is to say, what are the values behind those? Yeah, I liked how Bill Crofton puts it. He said, we're not trying to change your theology. Right. We're trying to change your methodology or mm-hmm. we're trying to change our methodology. Sure. And if you're on our methodology, great. That's going to be great for you. And if your methodology works for you, our theology is the right. same or very it's, close. It's very much like two people in two different language groups having the same theology. Yeah, um, but the methodology to communicate <laughs> you to there. your to your circle <laughs> is to use the language that that circle speaks, and yeah. even though it may sound very different and have different emphasis, and though even some of the word meanings may be disassociated, you got to speak in the language of the people, and so that's a methodology versus yeah. the theology. Going back to what you said just a few moments ago about you know we've all been to different churches where it can be. You know, high liturgy, yeah. it can be this, it can be that. There's all different kinds of ways we express ourselves. But I think in the same vein, the way Bill describes it, if our theology is the same, I can go to any service. Mm-hmm. And if our theology is about love and acceptance and forgiveness and grace, like we're about to talk about, then I can feel at home there. It may not be yeah. my my surroundings or my ideal programming, right. but I'm going to still walk away from that and going, those are some pretty awesome people. They worship a little different than I do or that makes me feel comfortable or fulfills sure. me. And the opposite is exactly mm-hmm. true. It can be someone that you, the surroundings, the way they do their programming is great. But if they don't have that other piece, then I walk away feeling empty. Right. So I think it has to be that we we have to have <laughs> that base first. So here we go. There was allegedly four, possibly eight. I mean, my math is just four. <laughs> my math is not good. If you see it written down, there's a hyphen between each word in that first one. That, that and somehow grammatically that makes it. And one. if you say it really fast. fast. <laughs> so the first one is love, acceptance, forgiveness, grace. So why don't we just stop there with those four? Well, because I mean that that seems to they, they, for me they are in a hierarchical order. <laughs> uh, I think that this is paramount to mm-hmm. who God is, how He functions. Now, but the reason our next one is Scripture, uh, the Bible, yep. and so the Bible supports us coming up to, to these these, to these four. four. So sure. these four words that make up one value. Um, <laughs> I keep pushing that. Uh, so that's why they are each values that help support the others, and, yeah. and they they go back and forth between themselves as well. But without without love, acceptance, forgiveness, and grace. Um, I think we miss the essence of church. And so that's really, that's why I think they're so critical to be there. They are 
a huge why behind many of the decisions we make. That some we get praised for, and some we, we get do. criticized sure. for. But behind those decisions, unless we're really you know out to lunch that day, <laughs> uh, it, it is love, acceptance, forgiveness, yeah. and grace. That how does how we're going to behave toward this person. Uh, reflect from this this value of love, acceptance, forgiveness, this value, single value. Uh, (laughs) Well, if, I mean, I was thinking about it in this way, that shouldn't the Bible be on top? Okay. But then if the Bible's on top, and maybe I'm wrong here, but I'm like, if love, acceptance, forgiveness, and grace isn't the basic part of what we do and what we lead with, then how are we going to use the Bible? If we're not using it with love or acceptance or forgiveness and grace, then we use the Bible as a sword to just cut people down. Right. I, I like the guy that told me he was going to shred me to pieces with the word of God. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> no, okay, well, that's, I'm not sure those go together. Yeah. Um, and, so, and so how to how to have that foundational aspect? I think scripture reveals us that's who God is. He's the God of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and grace sure. as well. And so I think that, that that revelation to us, it says, okay, now whatever we do, whatever else we do, whatever other values we line up with, they have to be supported by and and have the undergirding of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and grace. Yeah. And in the Bible, we all know about people who've used the Bible to club to, other people to yeah, death absolutely. with it. We've all been clubbed to death yeah. with it ourselves. I mean, <laughs> yes, you know, I right? have. <laughs> yeah. And I th- so I think this under the section of Scripture, after that first value, that the whole concept of people saying the Bible says. Yeah. I liked how you prefaced it with Zed's comments yeah. about we take the Bible as a whole, as a story, as a a narrative that we can get behind. Mm-hmm. And then we we look at these single verses right. and we make sure that we're overlaying those and going, if as a whole book, sure, yeah, we're going to take this one verse. So if the whole book teaches love, acceptance, forgiveness, and grace, grace. just to have, I'll use that as an illustration. illustration. <laughs> okay. But if, if the Bible overall, if you read the whole story, Genesis yeah. 1, Revelation 22, I just read the whole thing and you read all the verses and you say, boy, the message of this is that I, we have a God who is marked by love, acceptance, forgiveness, and grace. Then when a person comes to us with a verse of scripture that may villainize a person or a group of people or, you know, want to shut somebody down or knock somebody off or whatever, we say, wait, 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 whatever that verse says, that verse, not the Bible, whatever that verse in the Bible says has to be interpreted under the theme of scripture of a revelation of God who is a God of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and grace. Yeah. So now how do I how do I take that verse? And boy, that's really tough. I mean, I'm not this is not a cakewalk. No, yeah. There are some stories in the Old Testament, especially they're like, how in the world is that what's that got to do with love, acceptance, forgiveness, and you grace? You can't even get out of Genesis. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and and so I think we have to recognize that fallen people have been involved in this whole process. <laughs> and and in a, a pre-scientific era. Sure. Uh, everything was either attributed to the actions or inactions of the gods. Right. So mm. he, God gets blamed for everything. everything. And that's yeah. how, and that reflects into the scripture. I, I think especially of the book of Job, where Job has this horrible crisis in his life. We know the story of Job anyway. Mm-hmm. And then his three friends come, and I say friends with air quotes around <laughs> them. To, <laughs> Absolutely. To come to, to challenge him and comfort him and, and question him. And we end up sometimes in, in churches quoting his friends yeah. as if that's valid scripture material. Right. And at the end of the book, God says, you got to get sacrificed for your friends because everything they say was wrong. Right. Oh, so we, we shouldn't be using, using that. that stuff. But because it's in the Bible, we'll sometimes do that without seeing the context Next of where it sets it. from, and what, how it's supposed to be used. 
and it may not line up with the overall arching themes of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and grace. Well, and I think we have to understand, too, when Jesus comes, he says, you've searched the scriptures because you think in them you find eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. And so we have to look at the scriptures from beginning to end as, what does this teach us about Jesus? How does this point us to Jesus? Because scripture is the revelation of God to us in words. And Jesus is the revelation of God to us in a show and tell. And show and tell trumps everything else. I mean, you you got the actual real thing right here. And so I think to go back and and really, um, one of the people that I admired said, spend 5% of your time in the Bible on on all the difficult passages and 95% of it on that which has great clarity. Oftentimes, if we're preferring rebellion to obedience, we love to argue about a verse somewhere. Sure, yeah. Because uh, that's much easier than <laughs> than bringing our, asking God to take our lives and change us and transform us into his image. That's messy, hard, painful stuff. Yeah. I'd rather argue about what that text means. Absolutely. Well, I found it interesting. There was two TED Talks that came into our FHC Takeaways <laughs> this week. And one was releasing yourself from filter bubbles. And the other was on the moral roots of liberals and conservatives. They were. Do you watch those? I did watch them. Are, they're amazing, aren't they? They're amazing. Now they're challenging. They're challenging. No, no, I don't think it matters which side. The, no, they poke no. fun at both. The first one, yes, it was about politics in a in a way, right. but it was more about ideology and how you can find friends in the most unlikely coalitions and, and places. And not only do you find friends, but you. You enlarge your understanding. Standing. Yeah. yeah. It reminded me a little bit of uh, Stephen Covey's seek to understand before you seek to be understood. Yeah. And everybody's out trying to be understood and give their point and give their point and their point. Nobody's trying Listen. to understand anybody else, <laughs> it seems like. Well, of the two, I thought that Joan Blades and John Gable, I thought that one was particularly relevant only because, I mean, both discussions dealt with, you know, again, politics, mm-hmm. how to interact, you know, trying to find the roots of why we have these biases and where do they come from, right. getting deep into the psychological <laughs> And, you know, usually like why do these polar opposites, you know, the power that you have and watching those two, when you realize that there's unity in listening and when you really do it with the idea, like you said, of I want to understand you mm-hmm. and I want to understand what makes you tick and where we might find common ground. If you do that without prejudice, friendships, unity, and you can change the world, politics, sure. it had a familiar vibe of our debating with Grace afternoon that we had a couple of years ago here at the hospital church <laughs> with Tony Campolo and Steve Brown. Sure. Two people that were polar opposite politically, but within Christianity, they found a common place that they could at least build from. And what they just shared on the stage was so opposite in ideology, and yet they both can come to the idea that I still love you because yeah. you're a child of God, I'm a child of God, and I want right. to see us all you know, <laughs> succeed. Yeah. And so, agree on the problems and agree and, there, there need to be solutions and just how they got there is different. And, different yeah, paths. different methods. Yeah. So what made you decide on those two talks? What was the what, what did you hope we were going to take away? Because I would encourage you to watch them because they were very, very good. Maybe you can put them on your. Yeah, they're in the show. Right yeah, they'll be in the show notes for sure. If you swipe yeah, up today. I, I really think that in the first one by Gables and I mean, Joan and John, Joan and John, yep. Uh, talking about how in our culture today, because of social media, there are filters that push us to be with people that agree with us. Sure. So those filters keep separating us out so that the feeds we get and the news we get and the people we get connected with are ones who agree with us. us yeah. That's that is a very damning future 
Um, For everybody. Yeah, because the value of debate, the value of conversation with different ideologies and how that challenges me. And then if I can become friends with a person and then realize they have a different ideology, then I'm really challenged because I have to think about, wait a second, I like this person and they think so differently from me. Um, I just think that one really is a great challenge to say, get outside of your bubble. And because of the algorithms in the social medias today, you have to make a lot of effort you have to, you to, have to. To, to get out of that bubble. And you have to be okay to digest what you're seeing that might really trigger you in yeah. certain ways and go, but I want to know what's happening there because if I meet someone, I've got at least a spot I can talk about, I have some knowledge about. Right. If you know nothing about the other side, then it's only talking points that you regurgitate. Sure. And, and if, if a kid from the hills of Tennessee <laughs> and a girl from Berkeley, California you can do it. <laughs> who both worked in politics. Right. I mean, that's like religion, politics. I mean, they, got, they had are, it all. They had it right up here. <laughs> Culture. And if, and if you can come together and you can find some common ground where mm-hmm. they have worked together to make issues better, right. then there's hope for everyone. Right. And I think Jonathan Haidt's work showing what the issues are that cause the two sides of the aisle to see it so differently. So differently, right. Yeah, it's, and it's not about some things, but it's about other things. You know, it's yeah. really about the issues of authority as a big one. Yeah, yeah. And so his talk, I have his book called The Righteous Mind was given to me by my son-in-law. And it's just a real challenge to think about how our minds work yeah. and how once we've adopted one viewpoint, how hard it, it is, is for us to, to wrestle away from that or to, you know, be willing to consider it being wrong at all. Or even taking a piece of it and saying, I'm willing to concede yeah. that maybe between the two of us, I might not totally like it, but I can see where there would be a foot forward mm-hmm. if we each gave a slice off the edge of this right. even. I almost gave a third TED Talk yeah. because it is really one of my absolute favorites, and that's uh, Catherine Schultz on being wrong. If you want, um, uh, send me the link okay. to it tonight, this afternoon, and I will put all three of them. So swipe up. She in has a whole book called On Being Wrong, and her cool. talk on TED Talk is just – It'll catch you off guard and it challenges us, especially in, especially in actually in her book, she uses the Seventh Day Adventist as an illustration okay. for being wrong about the, the great disappointment. <laughs> yeah. And how we came out what? of that error and how William Miller in the Millerite movement, how he managed that crisis and how we chose to man- manage it differently and how people manage differences. It's, it's a. Uh, We've yeah. been wrong before? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm wrong regularly. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Uh, I, I thought I was wrong once, but I was wrong. All right. Uh, we could talk on this forever, but this week, one of our FHE takeaways asked, Where are you participating in the life of our church family? And this goes back to our fourth and final value in participation. Yes. And our church family and community at large is always rewarded with creativity, compassion, and love whenever someone shares their time, talent, and treasure. Andy had this to say about member participation. This value makes it clear that a non-mission-driven, non-attending, non-serving, non-giving member, air quotes for the third time, is an oxymoron. As we see each year during our summer series featuring FHC members sharing themselves through a message series here on the podcast, the diversity of perspective always allows connections that cannot be recreated any other way than to share what and who God has made us to be. So if you are currently uninvolved in ministry, please reach out to anyone on staff. You can email me, podcasthospitalchurch.org, and we will put you in contact with someone who can facilitate your inclusion in a place (laughs) that is comfortable, in a place that goes to your talents. We can make that happen, can't we? Yeah, so just in case anybody missed it, we have four values. 
There was four. <laughs> the first one is love, acceptance, forgiveness, and grace. It's just one with four words. And then there's the Bible, worship, and participation. Now, just in case I don't know. Now, now do you see, people, how hard it is to get someone to change their mind when they think they're right? Well, see, I had 50, I had 50, we had 15 values listed. In the, and you got it down to eight. Consultants said you can only have four or five. And so I, I said, well, I'm going to squeeze a bunch into that first. Well, either way you look at it, Andy cut it at least in half and he cut it by two thirds if you want to go with his message. So that, that's great. Our final thoughts this week are from the last of Andy's message. He said, when Jesus came to our earth, he had a single value that answered the why of all he did. From the incarnation as a baby in Bethlehem to all those years as a carpenter, from his baptism to the crucifixion. Behind all his miracles and teachings, there was a value that answered the question why. In John 6, 38, Jesus said, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. That's pretty good. Yeah, It really brings a kind of a wrap on why these values and something we should be thinking about in our personal lives, what our values are. Sure. But hey, if you're not sure what yours are, just adopt <laughs> ours. There's only eight or, eight or four of them, so it's easy to remember. Easy to remember. That's All right. Great. So... What, uh, let's see, we're still on this series. God of your whole life. God of your whole life. Yeah, it has something to do with the new name, I think. Does it? Okay. And this week is uh, Whole Life Metrics. Whole Life Metrics. So what business is it of yours to be measuring anything to do with my spirituality Mm. or my Mm. measuring yours? Am I going to be judgmental if I do that? And what's the right of the church to have some measures? Andy. Andy, I'm just Andy. quit preaching gone to meddling. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I don't know about this meddling <laughs> business here. Sounds like you're meddling. Yeah. I don't know. All right. That's going to do it for this week. But one final question remains. Have you registered for Church Retreat that's 2020? Right. Don't, don't even think about don't. living your life without going uh, to Church Retreat. Right. Well, and I've heard good things about our speaker this oh, year. Oh, Carla's a great speaker. I She spoke for a conference I was at last last year, year before last, and, and uh, she got through speaking, and I went up and told her, you know, you just make me never want to preach again uh, because <laughs> she spoke wonderfully. She spoke connectedly and she didn't look at her notes the whole time and made me ill. Yeah. Um, but no, she's Carla's a great, great person. She's been, she comes to our church quite regularly and oh, really? I think she'll do us proud and we'll be glad we were there. But, but you know, it's so funny because we talk about the speaker every year. It's like really so much of the retreat is about, you mm. and me being speakers with each other yeah. all yeah. over the camp and being able to sit at tables and visit and get to know. One person said last week, you can get up like five years of connecting in in one weekend. In one weekend. Yeah, if you try, <laughs> yeah. no problem. And just as a side note on church retreat, oh, we right. will be doing the podcast with her mm-hmm. from the A-frame in the afternoon. Time will be determined yet. Yeah, but it's on schedule somewhere. Go and have lunch, but then make sure to make it back for the A-frame. I still have people that I met last year that I only just now realized that I'm making like, oh, that's right. You were there. Mm. So if you have a question during the, her message, write it down, bring it with you and you can ask it. We'll have open mic like last time. Uh, we had Lich last time on the right. podcast from uh, yeah. the Southern area. And that was a good time. A lot of people got a chance to chime in and ask questions. And so we'll do that again this year in the A-frame. So, so this, not miss it. this week's Whole Life Metrics, the last week will be the first Saturday in February, which will be Whole Life Vision. Soon. And we will have gone through our who we are pretty and well. And we'll debut everything at uh, a church retreat. And then we'll, yeah, we'll just have fun. Then. Excellent. <laughs> all right. That's going to do it. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you all again next Wednesday.